0: Hello and welcome to Rick Radio Community News episode 36. I'm Mick Handley. Well, later in the programme, we will give you news of the Halloween events taking place in Ringsend with the Dockers and Demons Festival. But first, well, joining us today is Paula Cuniff. Paula is the CEO of Strive Management uh, and, of course, responsible uh, for Run in the Dark, uh, Mark Pollock Trust. Uh, Paula, I hope I got that all right. And uh, Run in the Dark and Mark uh, Pollock, very much uh, synonymous with uh, this, this whole run and with speaking as well. Mark is well known internationally and this run is international as well.
1: That's true. Yeah. I mean, so Mark has been a a professional speaker for over 20 years now. So before he had his accident and and, um, became paralyzed, he'd go travel around the world and speak for companies and organizations. Um, And um, we've mimicked that, I suppose, with Run in the Dark. I mean, Run in the Dark started 12 years ago with just four locations in Ireland. So Mark had his accident 12 years ago, was over in the UK, fell out of a second story window, broke his back in two places a month before his wedding. Um, And so friends and family came together and said, well, what can we do to support? So it was originally run in the dark for Mark because it all rhymed. Uh, We've dropped the for Mark uh, now, but started with four locations in Ireland, Galway, Cork, um, Belfast and Dublin. And then as the years progressed, people all over the world were saying, well, listen, we're in Sydney, but there's no event in Sydney. So could we just run one ourselves? And so that's how we've evolved it from four locations to now 50 locations. So we're in Asia, we're in Tokyo and Singapore this year, Um, in America, New York, San Francisco, Colorado, Boston, a few other cities around America. Um, And then we have Australia, throughout Europe, and our biggest events are uh, Luxembourg, surprisingly. Uh, Mm. We have a big event in London, and then we have still Dublin, Cork, Belfast, our three. So Dublin is our biggest, and your listeners may know of the, the run starting on the quays in, in Dublin city centre we usually have about 9,000 people who take part in that
0: fantastic before we come to Dublin um, just tell us a little bit about Luxembourg I'm intrigued by that yeah. <laughs> so
1: Luxembourg started with four people um, in about 2016 and the way it's happened is quite organically That uh, so a friend of Mark's her name is Jane moved to Luxembourg and she said she been interested in doing a run in the dark so it started small and it went really well and then it caught the attention of a bank over there called ING and they have a couple of other running events so they got involved and now it's scaled massively massively. It went from 37 to a couple of hundred and now we've up to 2,000 people who do it every year in Luxembourg. So I was actually over there recently meeting everybody and um that people love it they have an after party afterwards there's a big bar uh, at the finish line and they all have you know drinks and nibbles and, and there's a real party atmosphere so unfortunately I never get to go to any of the other <laughs> locations because I'm always in Dublin that's the only flaw with the, uh, the event being one night where the idea is like New Year's Eve it sweeps the globe as night falls but that just means that unfortunately my team are always saying can we go to the one in the Cayman Islands and can I go to Sydney I'm like saying no because you're going to be down in the Keys
0: <laughs> and that's- it.
1: Event, and that's
0: it yeah i, I saw where it, it, it says the days the ninth to the 16th of november so where does the one night come in mm. there or is it just running and
1: yeah so it's um, most nearly all events are the 9th of november which is a wednesday and um, we couldn't have it on the 9th in london so london is the 16th but also the last two years because we couldn't do events people have been taking part virtually so we gave them about a week to do it so people can do it if yeah. they're doing it virtually they can do it between the 9th and the 16th. So that's the reason we usually try and get it all in one night. It can just be tricky getting different locations to all sync up together. So in Dublin, there's so much happening in the city that you have to make sure that you're not clashing with any other events. So the 9th worked for Dublin, but unfortunately not for London. Um, so we do our best.
0: <laughs> to I, I, I'm wonder how you do it all in, in the other cities as well, because it must be massively uh, for you from an administration point of view yeah and logistical point of view especially dealing with with so many police and and roads and all that as well
1: yeah well we've an amazing network of volunteers we really couldn't do it without our volunteers so around the world in total we work with about 600 different volunteers to help us make all these events happen so in Dublin as you can imagine we have people on the route we have people in our bag drop when runners leave their bags and we have people at the finish line handing out water and medals and all that stuff so we have about 150 volunteers in Dublin alone, and then that would be mirrored in in Cork, in uh, Belfast, in London, Luxembourg, and then we have kind of what we call pop up champions. So our smaller events we call pop ups, which means it's you know we don't close the roads, and well it's a little bit more like an informal fun run. So, uh, but all of those events outside of the big ones that I've mentioned are managed by amazing volunteers who give their time every year, and lots of them have been doing it for years and years. Um, and they lead the event on the ground for us there.
0: And I know we're getting near the event at the moment, but do you need more volunteers?
1: Yes, always need more volunteers. So, um, particularly in well in Dublin as well, but equally if anybody who's listening is not in Dublin, we're all we need volunteers in all of our locations. We have an email actually that if people are interested in volunteering it's volunteers at runinthedark.org O-R-G
0: uh, um, what would the volunteer be doing exactly?
1: So there's three different roles the time commitment is four hours on the night of the event so the 9th of November unless we have anybody in London and then the 16th and it's either being on the route Um. so that's marshalling. And so everybody's given a position and they just stay there in the route and kind of guide the runners as they go past or in the bag drop. So that one is in a marquee. So some people prefer that because it's uh, kind of indoors. And so runners will leave their bags. And then pick them up afterwards and, and there's we have it separated into sections. Or the kind, quite fun one is the start-finish line because you're there at the beginning when everybody you see everybody taking off, which is really exciting. And then at the finish line, handing out bottles of water, medals. So
0: three different, <laughs> three different areas for different people. Areas, and, yeah. and as you say, if they want to. And the email address that you...
1: The email address is volunteers at runinthedark.org or even if they go on our website, there's a a button that says volunteer and you can fill in your information there.
0: Lovely. Um, Dublin, as we say, the course going down to Caius this year, a slight change. uh, You're going to have one 5k route uh, loop and obviously anyone running 10k will have uh, Two laps of that.
1: Yes. So we've slightly condensed the route this year. It's usually gone right out into Ringsend and Shawmore Road over the East Link. What we've managed to do this year is condense it to five kilometres. So it'll start on Northwall Quay um, and we'll have two start lines, one for 5K and one for 10K. And then you'll run west cross over onto Sir John Rogerson's Key, run the length of City Key, Sir John Rogerson's Key, turn around and come back over to the north side of the keys, and then you'll finish outside the convention centre. And if you're doing 10k, you can do the loop a second time. So it'll be interesting to see on the night, do some people get through the 5k and decide you know what <laughs> i think that's enough for me now this year the weather often will be the the decider on that front some people will want to do 10k but decide after the five that they've they've had enough so so yeah that's the route slightly more condensed which i suppose is good news for people in rings end side in terms of we won't be closing any roads and there won't be any disruption out that in that direction
0: for them as well. Yeah. Um. I, I saw too where there's a time limit of an hour 20. Mm. Uh, is that to try and get it all finished by, by then?
1: That's it. So you can when you're closing the roads, you get a road closure for a certain amount of time. And so an hour 20 is the longest we can allow somebody on the route doing 10 kilometres. Now, someone who's able to run 10 kilometres won't have an issue really doing yeah. an hour 20. Yeah. And worst case where there's one or two people who maybe... You know, are finding it a bit hard towards the end. They would move up onto the footpath, but it rarely really happens to be honest. And some people like to walk it, but they only take part in the five k. And you can walk a five k in in an
0: hour. Yeah, so you can actually run, jog, walk, I think out exactly yeah. as well, so you people can. who want to walk, don't worry about it. Yeah, come along uh, as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what time is it starting? It?
1: Starts at, it'll start at 7.45pm in Dublin for the 10k and then we're going to slightly later start at half 8 for the 5k. That's just because of the new route and then in a lot of other locations it's between 8 and 9pm. So uh, it'll be dark, put it that way.
0: well <laughs> It's called running the dark uh, uh, as you say Paula. Um, for, for people who want to enter, how do they go about it?
1: So if they go to our website, it's runinthedark.org, or even if you just Google "run in the dark," it'll come up, and you can sign up there. So you can sign yourself up, and if you had a group of friends that wanted to do it together, you can create a team name, and you can all they can all join the team. Everybody else, when they're signing up, or a lot of companies we have, particularly enter five or more people, and they pay in one go, and it's called a corporate team or a prepay team, and they get a two euro discount per person, and then all the all the. Um, Armbands and whatnot are sent to the, the team leader's address beforehand. So there's two options. A lot of people will want to just sign themselves up or maybe themselves and one other person. But if people have a group that would like to enter together, they can get a discount by uh, paying in one go for the team. And how much
0: does it cost? It's
1: 35 euro. Yeah. And that includes, uh, we've got really excited actually that we work with Fastway Couriers as our delivery partner. So um, all the packs are tracked. So they don't go missing because unfortunately we've had it before where um, packs went awry and then we, we have to just resend a new one. So I think this gives peace of mind to everybody. FastRay are brilliant to work with. You know They're really quick and everybody will get an email saying their pack is on the way and again an email when it's been delivered. So, um, so yeah, it's 35 to include the packing and the postage of the pack in advance.
0: And for a fundraising point of view where, where people sometimes fundraise, that's not there for running in the Dark. Is it just the...
1: It's not the required. There's frame? no requirement but where, yeah. where if people are interested in, in fundraising. Our charity, Collaborative Cures, is the charity partner. So um, when people are signing up, they can choose to set up a just giving page and do online fundraising. Um, Collaborative Cures, it was set up in 2020 to scale the work that Mark Pollock had been doing for 10 years around trying to um, fast-track a cure for paralysis. So... Over the 10 years, we've seen the biggest problem is fragmentation. So people um, falling out with each other or not looking up to see what else is going on in the space. Scientists or foundations, technologists, there's amazing things happening, people who are world class but they're, you know, I always visualize it like people covering their copybook with their homework, you know, mm. they're not sharing. And the COVID mm. vaccine showed how things can be sped up so much if we will share and work together. So our focus is not on um funding scientific research because there's lots of people doing that, but nobody is working on how can you bring people together? How can you get them to collaborate with each other? So that's what we're focused on. So all the fundraising and donations go directly into collaborative cures, focused on bringing people together to cure paralysis but if people just want to take part and run there's no requirement for them to fundraise yeah
0: incredible really what people can do is just say when they put their heads together i see two where they're looking for the scientists that gave us the vaccine for for covid mm. perhaps to get a cure for cancer now I saw that. so if we yeah. go for cancer surely paralysis can yeah. be brought in similarly <laughs> as well it's
1: it's you know it's so interesting because there's these amazing people working you know in their labs around the world but there's a couple of things that we've seen that they do, like the, there's no incentive to collaborate. You know, in the, in, the sci- in the university labs, for example, it's often around where your name is on the research paper. So you want to be first or last, but not in the middle. So, you know, in terms of what the incentives are for people to work together, they don't necessarily exist. Um, and then you see, because of that, destructive competition where people are fighting with each other or they're, you know, they're not working together and work maybe is being duplicated, you know, and so there's a lot of stuff that goes on that um, if you look at the COVID vaccine as an example, it's, you know, it does show you what could be done if we could change things around a little bit and incentivize, like there was a huge incentive for people to work together on the COVID vaccine because mm-hmm. it was impacting absolutely everybody. Absolutely. And um, so what can we learn from that? And bring into not just curing paralysis, but lots like cancer, as you say, is a great example uh, of another um, illness that if they could replicate what they did with the vaccine, we'd be, we'd definitely be getting cures a lot quicker.
0: This must be very frustrating for Mark himself.
1: It can be, you know, I mean, he's been 10 years or more really looking for a cure. Like when he was in hospital, he was told there's no cure for paralysis, there's no point. Worrying about it, you're just gonna to have to get used to life in the wheelchair. I mean that wasn't the mindset that got him to the South Pole ten years after losing his sight. you know so so he at that point started looking around to see what was being done in this space, and there are really exciting things happening like we work a lot with exoskeletons, so it's like a robot that you're strapped into and it helps you stand and walk, so we have four of them. Um, we have two in DCU that anybody can go and use and stand and walk in. So not just paralyzed people, but people with neurological condi- conditions, maybe MS, for example. And it's a phenomenal rehabilitation tool. It's available to buy, but they're $200,000, right? Yeah, <laughs> So you can't necessarily have one yeah. in your living room. Um, so, you know, that is an exciting piece of technology. But we've spent a long time working with another piece of technology. It's called Electrical Stimulation of the Spine. And they put electrodes on the skin of your back and they supercharge your spinal cord to bypass the damaged part. And it's amazing for people, particularly with a higher level of paralysis. So you can be paralyzed where you don't have a lot of hand function. Maybe you can't pick up a glass, open a bottle, you know, zip up your, your hoodie, that kind of thing. And when people get this electrical stimulation, it helps them regain some of that control. It's phenomenal. Um, But it has been worked on for an extremely long time and it's only going to be commercially available by the end of next year. And that's only because the company merged with a much bigger company in Switzerland. It was an American company. So it's just, it can be frustrating to see, gosh, if we had broken down some of the barriers to collaboration or what was stopping people working together, then we could have probably had that piece of technology, for example, available 7 years ago you know and so we're actually doing a piece of research at the moment which is um looking at that as a case study and looking at what were the barriers along the way and what can we learn from that so I'm really excited to see what comes out of that because again it's a similar problem that lots of people are facing it could be in business it could be in sport you know it could yeah. be in science similar things around why people why do these things break down? Like I spoke to someone recently who worked in um, with big pharma companies. They said even within some of the pharma companies, you'd see silos and one team not connecting with the other team. And then whatever they build doesn't work because they haven't clued each other in, you know. So I think it's an interesting common problem. And if you can crack some of the problems and trying maybe we could the next piece of technology it wouldn't take so long for it to be available because that's what it's about it's about getting it out of the university into a clinic like for example our program in dcu where anybody can access it access it and have that you know meaningful therapy whether they're they're paralyzed or also there's various other things that can be so forth,
0: you know. let's hope we get down to that down to the collaboration as That's they say old, yeah. And that for the moment uh, paula just again just a recap mm-hmm. of whatever run in the dark 9th of november uh in north wall key is the starting mm-hmm. uh, line as well um you're still looking for people to sign up yeah uh, if people want to sign up again just give us the email address that yeah. date
1: so if they're interested in taking part you can do 5k or 10k you can walk the 5k um all signups are on our website runinthedark.org and equally if people want to be involved but don't fancy running we're looking for volunteers so the easiest way is probably go to our website runinthedark.org and there's a button there with volunteer on it you can click that send us your information and we'll be in touch about volunteering
0: Well, Paul, we wish it the very best with it. Let's hope the weather is is good, (laughs) nice uh, and uh, dry on the night. And uh, the best to Mark as well. Uh, And uh, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. You're listening to Rick Radio's Community News Desk podcast.
1: Come and join us at our Retro Café. Open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the Community Centre. Come and check out our Karen's Culinary Delights.
0: Halloween is fast approaching and with that a number of events are taking place in the Ringsend area and especially here in ringsend Orish town Community Centre. Dublin City Council will be putting on the Dockers and Demons Festival at the Big Top in Ringsend Park. They present Tumble Circus Ballycarney the 30th of October and the 31st of October. Uh, 1900, 7pm on the 30th of October and 5pm on the 31st of October and that's suitable for 12 plus years so if you're over 12 uh, you can go to that then the hinge and hide traveling circus show deceased and that's on the 13th of october at three o'clock and that's suitable for all ages on the 31st of october at three o'clock the new diverse family friendly show will take place and the 31st of october at 22 three, the pre-show new diverse audience to meet the cast will take place. Now, if you want tickets for that, they're free tickets and they're available from us here in Ringsend and Iristown Community Centre. They're free from the 22nd of October from 2 o'clock to 6pm and the 24th to the 29th of October from 2 o'clock to 6pm. So, for your tickets, make sure to come here to Ringsend, Iristown Community Centre the 22nd of October from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then from the 24th to the 29th of October from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you're looking for a full programme of festival events taking place in the community from the 30th of October to the 4th of November, please visit www.dockersanddemons.com. Now, just to give you some of the events that are actually taking place here in Ringsend, Orishtown Community Centre, as we said, the 22nd of October, the box office tickets from 2 to 6 p.m. 24th to the 29th of October, the box office is open here in Ringsend, Irish Town Community Centre, and that's from 2 to 6 p.m. Now, on the 30th and 31st, the Haunted House, family-friendly taking place here in the Community Centre, and that's from 3 p.m. to close. Uh, first of November from 1030 to 12 o'clock in the morning, it schools out and that's sustainability uh, workshops funk up the festival uh, garms. On the 2nd of November, from half 10 in the morning till 11 o'clock, we've story time for three to six year olds in the Ringsend with the Ringsend Library. 2nd of November as well, from 10 until 2 o'clock, we've pop up Scary Library supported by Ringsend Library. And then on, also on the 2nd of November, we have the spooky tea dance, which is taking place from half past two to half past four, and that's for seniors. Uh, on the 3rd of November, schools out again, more workshops, and that's the Gothic Shadow Makers, and that's on from half ten to twelve o'clock. Also on the 3rd of November, from half two till half past four, we spooky bingo for seniors, uh, and... Uh, That should be good day out or good afternoon out as well. On the 4th of November, it schools out again more workshops and that's Gothic Shadow Makers and that's for 6 to 12 year olds and that's from half past 10 to 12 o'clock. And if you want to find out more about this fence, don't forget, uh, DockersAndDemons.com is the place to go. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've time for on the community news list this week. My thanks as ever to Dylan on sound. For myself, uh, Mick, take care and have a great.